0: In this week's In-Ear Insights, let's go back to our roots. I know we've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence lately, but one of the things that is so important is things like AI feed off of the data we already have, right? We have analytic systems of all kinds. We have Adobe Analytics, Google Analytics, Matomo. We have Salesforce and HubSpot, all these different marketing systems that contain tons of data. It's valuable data and very often it's data that's not in very good condition. So sometimes we need to bring in outside help. We need to bring in a new team member, maybe a consultant, maybe an agency. And one of the questions that we get a lot is, how do I know who to 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 bring on? And the, the sort of the unvoiced question is, how do I not know that they're not full of,
1: uh, as the Spanish would say, excremento de toro? <laughs> Jeez. I haven't heard that one in a while. Uh, you know and it's such an interesting question and it 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 goes under you know why you should have a really strong hiring manager um which isn't for this episode but you know for to get it to get a good understanding of what someone can and can't do it's not enough to just say hey so you've worked with data before right and they say yeah of course i have you you need to dig deeper. And so the way that I like to approach that is to ask more scenario based questions that you the interviewer already have a decent understanding Mm -hmm. of what the answer should be. So, you know, for example, if I ask you, Chris, you know, which is the better model to use lasso regression pi squared, like whatever the model is, I don't know the answer to that question. And that's a really bad question for me to ask if I can't tell if you're BSing. But if I say, you know, what is your favorite? Like, if you were, if I asked you to do an attribution analysis, what would be your first pick of a model to use? You're going to say, you know, Markov or whatever. Again, I'm not going to know the answer, but I can then follow up and be like, help me understand why you chose that model versus something else. You know, our CEO is going to say, you know, I just want to know the last thing someone did. And so it's in your explanation of, well, I would choose a lasso regression versus an A-B test, you know, for the following reasons because of the validity and so on and so forth. Um, and so it's really getting that deeper knowledge. You as the hiring manager don't have to follow every single part of the conversation. But if someone can't explain to you why they're making those choices, then it's pretty much a non-starter for me. So Chris, as an actual analytics expert and not me fumbling through it with all of the wrong terminology, what are some of the things that you would be looking for?
0: It's going to be dependent on your system, right? So Mm -hmm. what What does your martech stack look like and this is why governance is so important because if you don't have anything written down if you don't even know what you have then it's very hard to make a hire it's like going into a kitchen not knowing what appliances and what what pans and utensils you have and they're like okay we need to hire a chef Uh, well okay um (laughs) what do we what what are we what are we trying to do so this actually goes back Unsurprisingly, to the five fees, right? Uh, what do you try to do? How that works. <laughs> it really is. What are you trying to do? The people obviously is the the sort of the equation we're trying to solve for. Mm-hmm. You have processes written down and documented already. If you don't, you know, that's that's probably important. And then what platforms do you have? And then what is the outcome you're after? And so it, oh, this is almost kind of like algebra, if you think about it. There's one there's a variable you're trying to solve for most in hiring, it's the people variable of the five mm-hmm. fees, and so you, you have to have all the other components of the equation on the other side of the, the equation so that you, you know those because the last thing you want in algebra is a bunch of unknowns. And you're like, I, I can't solve this like x plus y plus z equals q. <laughs> you can't solve that because there's not enough information. But if you have a variable, and then you have your constants, and your knowns, then you're, you're in good shape. So let's take, for example, Google Analytics 4. Mm-hmm. That's our platform. What are the processes around that? Like, how do you who's using the data? How is it being used? What, you know, what answers are you trying to get? And then from there, you can start to ask questions in that process, like, okay, you're an analyst, and we have Google Analytics for and our, our executive team cares very much about where they're spending money. So Talk to me about how you would do attribution analysis within the tool itself to Mm -hmm. arrive at an answer of how to how to allocate budget and spend. And then the the respondents answer should be, well, which attribution model are you using within the tool? Are you using data driven, you know, the time to event decay model? Are you using last click? What do you what do you uh, currently use? And is there a, a valid business reason why? you've chosen that word. is that just what the product suggested and you just kind of went with it. That's how I would start to to pick out a person's expertise is to say, okay, well, what what would you do to get to this outcome? And it's okay if they ask, it's, it's ideal if they ask a bunch of questions back to you to say, well, what about this? What about this? I would actually be very wary of someone who's like, oh, it, yeah, almost use, always use data-driven attribution. Like, yeah, but but you don't know anything about our business. <laughs>
1: You actually just hit on I'm glad you brought that up because that is when you are vetting someone in the analytics field specifically, you almost always should get questions back before you get answers. A true analytics expert is going to ask more questions before they give you an answer. So, you know, in that example, Chris, if you say, you know, how would you approach attribution modeling within our system? They should absolutely be asking more questions before they give you an answer. That is a huge red flag because just picking an attribution model be like, well, you should be using last click or you should be using, you know, time decay. Okay, but why? They should be asking more detailed requirements, gathering questions in order to do the analysis. Very rarely, if ever, does someone have enough information right off the bat in order to answer a question with data there has to be more exploratory so you're absolutely right if the person you're interviewing doesn't ask more follow-up questions to get more detail, then that is definitely something that you want to watch out for because that does indicate overconfidence that indicates probably a little bit of bsing and someone who's not going to really take care of your data
0: yeah um even something as simple as like how, how does your company make money Right, that that's a really important question. Like, how <laughs> if you've got an e-commerce website, that's very different than say a B two B company like us, and you're gonna have you're gonna use Google Analytics in totally different ways. Uh, if you are a B two C e-commerce versus say a nonprofit, right? A nonprofit's gonna have very different uh, uses of uh, of Google Analytics. So it's even something as simple as that. Now, granted, you would hope that the candidate or the agency would have done at least some homework, like looked at your website, but it's still a relevant question. Just, you know, it, it might be a, a deeper dive. So you say, okay, I've been to the Trust Insights website. Uh, it looks like you guys have got contact forms for this and that. So talk to me about what happens after someone submits a contact form. Like, what, does that go into other systems? Do we need to see if Google Analytics ties into those systems? Like, it looks like you guys are using HubSpot. You know, do you have Google Analytics integrated with HubSpot? Those would be quite follow-up questions that I would expect someone mm-hmm. to ask. It's like, it's like going to the doctor. Right, you say, doctor, my arm hurts, and the doctor's like, okay, it's time for surgery. You're like, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa." (laughs) you
0: should be asking some more questions first.
1: Well, even just a basic question, you know, not even how do you make your money, but you know, what is your, what are you trying to understand with an attribution analysis, so that I can give you an appropriate response, because there's going to be different versions of that answer depending on what your goal is. And so, if I want to know where people are coming from when they get to my website that's going to be one version of attribution. If I want to know why people aren't staying on my website, or if I want to know, you know, how many times, you know, the contact form gets hit versus the newsletter, those are very different responses. So again, you know, if you're trying to vet an analytics expert or an analytics agency, they should be giving you a lot of homework, they should be asking you a lot of questions that you're like, Oh, I thought you could just answer this, like, with some data well yeah we can but we need to know what the what the story is first what the requirements are what the guardrails are um you know if you are interviewing someone or vetting an analytics agency and you say you know i really want to understand you know our sales seasonality for example if they start talking about twitter and you're not active on twitter you know again that's sort of a do you really even know what you're talking about? Or are you just trying to sound like you know what you're talking about? So, Chris, without getting too technical into the, you know, different kinds of models, machine learning, so on and so forth, what are some of the things that people, analytics experts themselves who are in the position of being interviewed, you know, should be talking about? What are some of the questions that they should be anticipating, or if they're not getting them, they themselves should be asking.
0: So let me show you something. This is uh, one of the migration templates we have. So this is for migrating to Google Analytics 4. Um, you will note, it might be a little bit hard to see. Let's uh, zoom in a little bit here. You'll note that the majority of this template its several pages long is questions, right? It's It's not follow these, these are all the steps that I follow. It's like, I need right. to know the answer to these questions before I can do a migration. One of the, I guess, green flags, if you, if you go the opposite direction, one of the green flags to look for in a candidate, in a consultant, in an agency is, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, standard operating procedures, templates, checklists, yes,
1: <laughs> yes.
0: things that Provide evidence that the person or the agency has done this before, and that they have documented the gotchas, the no, the things that you know are just going to go wrong, and so you have lists of questions and things that up front. Like, okay, here's a good one: What agreements govern the account? You know, is is GDPR an issue? Who is the DPO? If you go into Google Analytics and and you just have a consultant willy nilly checking things off. They are signing documents with Google on your behalf. and That can be a very, very bad thing. So even something as simple as that, which is not a technical thing, but it is a configuration thing. There should be questions in their standard operating procedures like who is the DPO, who has the legal authority to authorize an agreement with Google. Um, and if those things are not present, Again, that's kind of a yellow flag that maybe they haven't done this before or they've not done it before in a situation where, say, like compliance is important.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of it. And I think there's a lack of understanding of the legal and compliance side of the data in an analytics role. And so maybe you as the analyst aren't necessarily worried about, you know, is the data secure? Did we run it past legal? But those are things that will impact your role if they aren't done correctly. Or if you're not familiar with things like GDPR and CCPA, you may not be actually doing anything within your analysis that you know worries about that stuff. But you need to know, I'm only getting a partial data set because of GDPR or because of CCPA or because of you know PII. Um, You know, and that's just another piece of the puzzle that if you, the interviewer, aren't asking those questions, they should be bringing the interviewee should be bringing them up.
0: Exactly. And the good news is this stuff is not arcane. This stuff is not, you know, uh, mystical, never heard of for all the Mm -hmm. systems that are out there. These checklists and things already exist. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, I'll I'll show you an example. This is from Adobe itself. This is for Adobe analytics. And this is basically Adobe's what to do when you've inherited an Adobe analytics system. And there are this is a multi stage spreadsheet that has resources that has questions to ask. And again, look at this. This is all questions. This is not do this, then this, then this. This is are Mm -hmm. you currently importing offline data? Are you leveraging a data layer for data collection? Uh, You know, on the integrations on the reporting side? Do you know which reporting tools to use for the right use cases? Are you already leveraging data feeds? This is Adobe's blueprint for how do you audit analytics. And so I would expect any consultant or any agency that works in the Adobe ecosystem to at least have knowledge that these tools provided by Adobe exist and that you have some variation of this. You may, you might not use Adobe stock version. You might have your own, you know, secret sauce version, but there should be a version and there should be a version that you feel comfortable sharing with a prospective client to say, here's the process we're going to use. And are there things in here that don't apply to your organization? And then are there th- are there concerns that you have that aren't addressed in the you know the the boilerplate version?
1: Well, and you know again, you bring up another really interesting point that I want to uh, dig deeper onto is the process. And so, if Chris, you're the one being interviewed, and I say to you, you know, uh, one of the things we want you to do is run an attribution analysis on our Adobe data. My expectation is you would start to ask like, well, what is your process for getting data out of Adobe right now? Is it automated? Do you use the API? Uh, Do I have to manually export things? And so an analyst that you're vetting should be asking, you know, what are you doing currently uh, before answering that question? You know, again, it's back to that exploratory, they need to know more information before they can give you a solid answer. And so you know, in that example of Adobe Analytics, so maybe they don't, you know, have the deep, deep knowledge that all of those documents already exist by Adobe. But if you're saying we work with Adobe Analytics, for example, as our primary, you know, record keeping system for what goes on with our website. And we want you to run reports from there they should start asking questions like, well, how often do you run reports? Are there reports automated? Do you use the workspace? Or do you you know, create these reports ad hoc? How do I get the data out? How do you currently get the data out? Is there you know, security protocols that I need to figure out or be aware of or establish? Uh, who has access to the data? Am I the only one who has access to the data? Do you have an auditing trail? When the data gets changed, who knows about it? Those are all questions that should be brought up not by you the interviewer but by the interviewee to get a better understanding of your system before answering this is how i would do it
0: exactly who's how is this data being used Mm -hmm. um something as simple as that and and understanding this is something especially true for consultants and agencies understanding the implicit asks right so there's there's really three different fundamental implicit asks that uh, when a client comes and says, you know, we, we need some help with data. One is, hey, we need to save some time, our team is just all over the place. And, and you know, we're doing everything manually, we need help. Two is, hey, we want to make some money, we know there's there's some money in here. And three is, I'm a person in charge, I need to cover my ass and keep my job. <laughs> right? Those are the three basic asks. And understanding you know, what the implicit ask is from the the different people in the organization is going to really impact how you implement an analytics installation, how you do analytics consulting, because if you are, if you are dealing with multiple stakeholders, and they each have different priorities, how you talk about an analytics implementation, how you do analytics work changes, right? If there's what the person is just trying to keep their job, um, you know, that's, you're going to do very different work than the person's like, Hey, I need to make some money from this data.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, as you're vetting and interviewing analytics agencies and analytics experts, these are the kinds of questions that they should be asking you. And so I do want to be clear, like you're not trying to ask trick questions. You're not trying to manipulate the conversation, uh, But you're basically setting up the conversation to see, does this analytics expert ask follow-up questions, or are they just going to give me an answer? And so you already know, as the interviewer, as the person responsible for making the decision, if the person I'm interviewing, if the agency I'm interviewing isn't asking more detailed questions in the interview, they're probably not going to once they actually start doing the work. Now, there are instances where that's fine, and it really depends on the level of expertise of the person, depending on what you need them for, sort of going up from, you know, basic beginner, I just need you to do what's being asked of you as you're learning versus an expert, which is what we're talking about in this instance. You need them to be leading the conversation. You need them to come in and know more than you about the data. And so if they're not asking the questions, they're probably not the right expert.
0: And I think that's a really important distinction as well, particularly when you're dealing with agencies, is there's three levels of of practitioner, right? There's the how like how to, mm-hmm. how to do this thing. There's a what is the thing that we should be doing? And then there's why is it we're doing the thing? And that corresponds really to execution tactics and strategy. If you are hiring an agency or a consultant or a professional on or a problem, you need to be clear yourself. Am I asking for execution help? Am I asking for tactical help? Am I asking for strategic help? Mm-hmm. And the, the people who are, are brought before you need to, need to fit your ask, right? If you are asking for tactical help and you get some strategist who's like, oh, I have these, these great big picture ideas about how to revamp your, your analytic strategy and your business strategy. Like, I, no, I just need help fixing this thing. Right. Um, likewise, you could, you might say like, I need strategy and you get somebody who's stuck in the weeds. And like, well, which of these fit 22 buttons and features in your EVARS do you need to fix? You're like that, that's not what I need help with. I need help with how should I be measuring things in general? And that mismatch is really important. So part of your, your job is to be very clear, like, this is the the expectations I have at the strategic level, at the tactical level, at the execution level, so that I know what questions to even ask of a
1: candidate. And that goes back to making sure that you are going through the five P's, but then also creating those user stories Uh, not only from your perspective as the hiring manager, but also from the perspective of the person you're interviewing so that you can get a better understanding of what it is that you're asking back to that purpose. What is the problem I'm trying to solve by hiring this individual or this agency to complete, to do something? What is the thing? And you're absolutely right, Chris, you want to be clear on execution tactics and strategy because those are very different skill sets and the types of conversations you're going to have in an interview are going to be very different so if you're looking for someone just to help with execution then they shouldn't they don't need to necessarily be asking about you know governance and legal and that they just need to know how often do you generate the reports? What is the frequency? Who are the users? You know, the tactical is you start to get more into the, well, what are the segments of those set up and so on and so forth. And then the strategy is, well, what's the overall goal for using this system in the first place? Why, why this? Why, you know, these goals? How do you, you know, make decisions with the data? So there's very different types of questions that you should be getting from an analyst depending on what you're asking of them.
0: Exactly, and so all of this goes into. If you think about it, like we're saying, it's it's kind of like algebra. If you're trying to solve for people, you need to have all the other things on the other side of the equation solved Mm -hmm. before the first interview. And if you don't have that, then it it, you 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 run the risk of not getting the right people uh, and not getting making making a a bad hire or Mm -hmm. you know locking yourself into a consulting contract where. You just, you hire somebody and they do, because you don't have, you don't have clarity for yourself, they don't have clarity. And then they just kind of do what they do. And we've run into situations with clients where there's been a a consulting agency that is kind of doing stuff and making work that doesn't add any value because it doesn't solve the problem of why they were brought in in the first place.
1: Yeah, they're just trying to quote unquote, establish value, but All of the things that are being generated aren't going to be used by anyone. And so there is a lot of due diligence that you as the interviewer, decision maker has to do first, then you can start to bring other people on. You know, it's a very common, you know, I'll call it a mistake because we've all made it of we're underwater, we need help, let's just get some people in to help us. And great, it's a panic move. It maybe solves the problem for a couple of weeks, but it's not a long-term solution because you're missing that purpose. You're missing the people and the process and the platform and the performance. How do you know that this is a thing? Maybe it got us over the hump, but now what? Like the panic is over.
0: <laughs> but is
1: it? <laughs> it's a different panic. The The initial panic is over and we've introduced six more layers of panic.
0: Exactly. And, that, and that's... That's a ripple effect of making bad hires, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's a person or an agency is every every person who works with your organization is going to have an impact on it in some fashion. Um, and there can be substantial ripple effects I, I, in an analytics context. Let's say you're using Google Analytics. and Let's say you've built a custom channel grouping for for a channel for you know, attru- channel attribution. A bad hire means that you have a bunch of data now in GA4 that you're stuck with, right? You might have mm-hmm. a month or two months of data that is unusable because the configuration was wrong and you can never get it back. right? You can never retroactively go back and fix it. And so th- that person or that agency or whatever just kind of left, <laughs> left a very obvious fingerprint that, like, oh, this is, this is something that, that went really wrong.
1: Well, and, you know, to piggyback on that, it's also a really expensive endeavor to keep trying to hire over and over and over again, there's a cost associated with it, there's hard and soft dollars associated with, you know, hiring, even if it's hiring contractors, even if it's hiring agencies and not full time staff, there is a cost associated and that turnover adds up, you know, so you have your technical debt, you have your data debt, you have your data quality, but then you have the actual dollars spent, on training someone, onboarding someone, offboarding someone, and so on and so forth. It it adds up and it gets really, really expensive. And at the end of the year, you're no better off than where you started.
0: Yep. Speaking of money, let's talk about briefly, how do you know when to hire uh, an FTE? How do you know when to hire a consultant? Or how do you know when to hire an agency? Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. if you have budget constraints within the organization, like your organization says, hey, we've, we've frozen headcount. Okay, well that, that makes it pretty easy. You can't make an FTE hire. You either have to hire a consultant or an agency. But Katie, in terms of other considerations besides budget and, you know, which which pool of money uh staffing can come from, how do you decide, yeah, we need to make a full-time hire versus we need to hire a contractor or we need to hire a third party
1: agency? I think it depends honestly, uh back to the what are we asking them to do? Is that the execution? Is it the tactics? Is it the strategy? If it's just execution then I'm pretty comfortable hiring a contractor because the expectations can be very easily set. The tasks can be time boxed and you can put the guardrails and say, this is exactly what I want you to do. When you're starting to get into the tactics and the strategy, that's when you need to consider a deeper bench of knowledge. Uh, And that's not to say you can't get that with a contractor or a freelancer, but is this someone that if you're building out strategic plans, do you want to have them invested in your company long term? Probably you want to have them be able to see the thing through. You want to have them grow with the strategy if you want to have them own it, for example, or if you just want to have them weighing in so you can bring in a contractor or a consultant if You have the team to build the strategy, they just need a little bit of extra color and expertise into it, versus you need someone to build the strategy from the ground up, you probably want to hire an agency that can be with you long term as a partner, or someone full time who can really own and develop that institutional knowledge of what you're doing, what you're not doing, the nuance of your customers, that's harder to do with a contractor not because they're not capable but because of what you can and can't do with a contractor legally uh, you know in terms of professional development and those kinds of things
0: i think that's that's a really good way of looking at it 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 comes down to scale and diversity Mm -hmm. of of knowledge with an agency you are obviously you know the agency you you pay for whatever results you're getting but behind the scenes, there might be one person on the account, five people on the account, 15 people on the account, and you as the, the client, you don't care, you just want the work just needs to get done. And mm-hmm. but having that capability in an agency allows the agency to scale to the account. Whereas mm-hmm. again, with a contractor, they're, they're, they're a human being, so they can only scale so much, you know, right 168 hours a week is what is the maximum that uh, an individual human being can give. Um, but it also is that diversity of knowledge. Uh, if an agency mm-hmm. has even so, you know, you know, Trust Insights is not a huge uh, conglomerate by any means, but even just having access to the, you know, the four or five people we have you know, on our bench is more than having any one of us as an individual contractor, right? Because our combined skill sets not only allow us to offer more in general, but it creates mm-hmm. synergies that you can't get alone in one person. Right? You and I working on an account is going to be a very different experience on that account because we have different skill sets that complement each other that, Neither one of us is good at alone.
1: Right. Well, and I think that that's also, you know, when you're talking about one full time person, one contractor, or an agency, you know, the benefit of hiring an agency is that you do get that diversification of skill sets versus, you know, bringing on one person full time. Now you have that one dedicated resource, but they have limitations to their own skills. Sure, you can grow them, but that takes time. Uh, the same is true of a contractor. You have limitations, not only of their skill sets, but even more so of their time because a contractor tends to be working on other projects, other clients. You can do a contract to hire, but again, you're sort of limited in terms of scope and scale. And so there are definite benefits to an agency. The downside to that, because we need to make sure we're also covering that, is that you know an agency, it's easier for you as the client to get lost if it's a larger agency in terms of what's reality and what are you being told is happening. Because, you know, to your point, Chris, there may be 15 people working on the account, but you only ever interface with one person. So you don't actually have transparency into what's going on behind the scenes. Whereas with a contractor, that's easier. And so when you're vetting an agency, you know, there's a reason why clients, when they're going through the proposal stage, they want to know every single person who's going to touch the account. Mm-hmm. But then if you start to see as the person making the decision, wow, there's like 20, 30, 40 people listed. Is that a red flag or am I OK with that? Am I OK with never really knowing who's doing the work? Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, that it's a topic for another show another time about how value based building and stuff works, because mm-hmm. I think there's that's consideration with agencies as well. But from right. For the context of this discussion, you definitely want to get a sense of, of who your team is, and what skill sets they bring to the table. So if you are hiring an agency for, say, Google Analytics for help, and you look at the, the roster of people they have, and none of them are certified, think, uh,
1: that seems like a miss. <laughs> Yeah. And so there's definitely, again, this goes back to you as the hiring manager, as the company who's looking for the help, making sure you go through the 5P process and that you have a good understanding of not only the problem you're trying to solve, but the type of person or persons you need to bring in to solve that problem. And so that goes into do they have, you know, do I need them to have Google Analytics certifications or is it okay if they don't? Do I need them to be HubSpot certified or is it okay if they don't? Those are decisions you need to make ahead of time. And, you know, it's okay if you change your mind in the middle of the interview process. Um, But you need to have a clear understanding of at least the blueprint going into it.
0: Exactly. And those blueprints are, again, they're a good indicator when you're working with an agency or a consultant or even a full-time employee that that Mm -hmm. person has done it before Mm -hmm. and, and knows what can go wrong. Because as... Um, I often say, and as I've heard from you know, my many teachers and mentors over the years, the definition of an expert is not someone who knows things, you know, who can do things well. It's an expert is someone who knows what's going to go wrong and prevents it as much as possible before it goes wrong. That's, that's to me, the definition of true expertise is, <laughs> you know, all the ways this is going to go sideways.
1: And I think that, you know, that's a really good point to end on is that your experts should have, if you're hiring a true expert, they should have been there, done that, and, you know, they bought the t-shirt, and then they can tell you about the experience.
0: Exactly. It's no surprise that expert and experience have the same linguistic uh, background. So we've covered a lot today on uh, vetting an analytics firm, or vetting an analytics consultant, or vetting an analytics potential employee. Uh, If you have some thoughts that you would like to share about uh, your experiences, either as the hiring manager or as the consultant or the person being hired, pop on by our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 3,500 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a challenge you'd rather have it on instead, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. You can find it on most places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> okay.